0: Be inspired, supported, and empowered. This is the Global Healthy Living Foundation Podcast Network. Patients in low-income communities, especially seniors living in low-income communities, deserve better access to health care.
1: Welcome back to Healthcare Matters podcast that pulls back the curtain to help you make sense of complex healthcare economics and policy issues. As always, I'm joined by Dr. Robert Popovian in Washington, D.C. He's a pharmacist, an economist, and chief science policy officer with the Global Healthy Living Foundation. And across the country in Seattle,
0: Washington, he's my good friend, Connor Mertens, patient advocate and community outreach manager at the Global Healthy Living Foundation, and the number one resource patients have when they have questions about their access issues that they can reach out to.
1: Robert, can you believe it? We're coming to the end of season two of Healthcare Matters. We have covered a lot of ground and a lot of topics.
0: Yeah, we were newbies last year. And I have to say, Connor, our audience has been very generous with us and have listened and followed us and has provided us a lot of good feedback. And hopefully we've improved our podcast over this period of time. Before we get started, Connor's is going to share with us some of the other great podcasts that are on the Global Healthy Living Foundation podcast network, as well as some audience feedback.
1: First, you're going to want to check out Getting Clear on Psoriasis with David Brandt. It's a podcast series about what it takes to live better with psoriasis from the experts who treat it and the patients who live with it. We have a ton of great podcasts and you can find them all at ghlf.org listen. All right, let's take a look at a comment from one of our listeners. David writes, I think the way Connor and Robert interact is terrific. Well done. I guess Robert's alright. <laughs> well, I have to say, we've gotten used to each
0: other like married couple. So it takes a while, but wrapping up season 2, it seems like we're in a good
1: cadence. And thanks for your review. We invite you too to go to Apple Podcasts and write a positive review and one of those honest 5-star ratings. We we know how honest you are. And wherever you're listening, Apple, Spotify, or the rest, click that subscribe button so you'll never miss an episode. So Robert, this week we'll be chatting about a study that you were one of the researchers on. We learned that based on the results, lower-income families had greater access to pharmacies than physician practices, which indicates that pharmacies can play a really valuable role in expanding immunization access and and other access. But I think that's the start of a larger conversation about accessibility in healthcare in lower-income communities. You worked on this, Robert. Tell us what you think. What stood out to you as most compelling from this research? I've always been interested in the topic of equity
0: in healthcare one area that most often gets overlooked is access to healthcare in low-income communities. So this was a way for me to really investigate where do we stand for patients that really are struggling for access to healthcare.
1: And Robert, when we're talking about this idea of access, what does that kind of mean and how do we improve that access?
0: Remember, low-income patients have access issues to start with. They're further away from quality hospitals, further away from quality healthcare, and pharmacies can be a hub for them to be able to access that type of care without having to travel miles away to get that same attention. The other important thing is that they are hourly wage earners with multiple jobs. That really makes it difficult for them to access care on typical workday hours. These patients may not only value, but prefer access during lunch hours, after work, and on weekends, more than they value during access during the typical workday.
1: That speaks to the idea that there's no such thing as a nine to five sickness. I remember growing up with four boys in my house. We had a few many after hours trips to the clinics or the ER when somebody got punted off a couch and needed some stitches. The costs were high to access these clinics. Well, Connor, boys will be boys, but I have two girls. And our typical
0: routine on weekends when they were growing up and they were very much younger was that the ear pain and the earache started usually around 5.36 p.m. on a Saturday where there was no access to a pediatrician, no access to a physician's office or an urgent care center. And that's why we ended up in the emergency room. We need better methods of getting patient care without having to step into a hospital setting as the only choice that patients have.
1: Yeah. Like we said, sicknesses and earaches and infections, they don't have the nine to five Monday through Friday. So we need to talk about the ability to access these emergency services or even preventative services like you started to get into, which is immunization or specialists, rheumatologists. How do we improve that access?
0: One of the simplest way is to make sure that all healthcare professionals are practicing at the top of their license. That means providing the care that they've been trained for. Unfortunately, in the United States, that's not what we see every day. Partially, that has to do with licensure issues. There's concerns about interstate license provisions with regards to physicians, pharmacists, and nurses, and therapists, and so on. And the second part is because we have this model that the patient has to literally walk into a hospital setting or a clinic or a physician's office for that individual to make money, They're very protective of having to have that patient coming in to get their service at that site. Instead, we need to have a different payment model that provides payments to physicians, nurses, pharmacists, hospitals to keep patients out of those settings and provide them the care that they have the best access to without having to go through all the hoops. Does insurance equate access? Not really. No, it doesn't. And that's a fallacy that has been propagated for many decades in the United States that if you provide insurance to patients, all of a sudden access improves. That's not the same. You need to have insurance because you need to have coverage for patients to be able to afford payment for healthcare services. But at the same time, if you don't improve the access side, which is allow patients to access healthcare in a variety of settings at a variety of different times, like we've discussed, you're basically defeating the whole expansion of insurance as a model. And there's data that supports that. In fact, instead of Oregon, they did a study right after Affordable Care Act was passed and Oregon was one of the first states that expanded Medicaid. And the assumption was, as we expand Medicaid and provide insurance coverage for all of these uninsured patients, these patients, instead of ending up in the emergency room, they will go and get their care in physician offices and so on and so forth. Because, you know, as they go to the hospital, the care is free and they don't get charged for it. So that was the assumption. What they found out is that, in fact, with the expansion of Medicaid, not only the emergency room visits didn't decrease, they actually increased now that patients had insurance. Why? Because again, you didn't address the access issue. Remember, who was being expanded on Medicaid? It was mostly poor, low-income individuals who couldn't afford insurance, and now they had access to insurance. These are the same individuals that are hourly wage earners, and they just don't have the capacity to go and visit with a physician during normal workday hours, So they ended up, again, going to the emergency room. So they're not the same. Insurance and access are two different issues, and we need to address both if we want to provide better patient care.
1: What does it look like in practice for expanding access? Does it mean allowing pharmacists to do sutures, to do stitches? What does it look like for a patient day-to-day, a change in access?
0: Pharmacists, physicians, and nurses need to work collaboratively to be able to provide patient care, and each one has a skill set. That is very unique and they need to be maximized. So physicians to me are the best diagnosticians. They should be the ones that diagnose the patient. I don't think any other healthcare professional actually trained or is able to diagnose as well as a physician does ailments. Nurses instead are trained extremely well in managing chronic care. So if somebody has diabetes or hypertension and they require management over long periods of time, they're probably best suited. Pharmacists, on the other hand, are best suited to managing drug therapy. And this is the thing that falls apart because they're not provided the tools to be able to really manage patients' drug therapies and also not provided the financial incentives to do so. I think each entity within the healthcare professional ecosystem has a very valuable skill set. Unfortunately, we're not maximizing that skill set.
1: Robert, let's get back to that study. What was most surprising to you about your findings?
0: What stood out for me is that two states, New York and Pennsylvania, had far better access to pharmacies than physician offices for patients in low-income communities, also have the most restrictive laws that do not allow pharmacists to administer immunizations for adult patients as other states do. I truly believe that these parties out there that are against the expansion of the authority are doing a great disservice to their patients and undermining equitable access to vaccines in our most vulnerable populations.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, Robert, I think that the biggest part of this is we just need to find ways to make healthcare more accessible. And at the end of the day, that's always been foundational to the work that we do at the Global Healthy Living Foundation is how do we make healthcare better and more accessible for folks living with chronic diseases or or just the general healthcare system? We need to figure out, where are folks slipping between the cracks, and how do we fill those cracks? For two seasons, we've made sure you get the last word, and that's not changing today, buddy. What do you think folks should take away from your research?
0: Patients in low-income communities, especially seniors living in low-income communities, deserve better access to healthcare. In the United States, we have an under-vaccination conundrum for adult patients. Implementing policies by federal and state governments that expand pharmacies or pharmacists' ability to provide more healthcare services could help increase vaccination access to such patients. These policies include granting pharmacists nationwide authority, similar to their physician colleagues, to administer all vaccines approved or authorized by the Food and Drug Administration and vaccines recommended by the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. is gonna be key for us to improve their care.
1: And with that, season two is a wrap. Really, really appreciate the last two seasons we've had with you, Robert. I've learned way too much. My head hurts almost every time we're done talking, but hopefully did a service for patients and broke down some of these really complex topics and made it a little more uh, digestible. And I have to tell you, Connor,
0: you've been a terrific partner. Your work is what I consider the most important part of what Global Healthy Living Foundation does every day, which is communicate with our patients and help them out to navigate this complex healthcare system that we've currently lived wonder.
1: Thanks for sticking with us these last two seasons. And thanks for listening to Healthcare Matters, a podcast that pulls back the curtain to help you make sense of complex healthcare economics and policy issues. As always, we invite you to go to Apple Podcasts and leave one of those honest (coughs) five-star ratings and a positive review. It'll help more people like you find us. And wherever you're listening, Apple, Spotify, or the rest, make sure to click that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Last time this season, he's Dr. Robert Popovian.
0: And he's Connor Mertens. We'll see you next season. Be inspired, supported, and empowered. This is the Global Healthy Living Foundation Podcast Network.